Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, I was kind of wondering what we we're going to talk about today, and then uh, the world of college football decided to turn on its head once again. It never fails, Carson, right around the July 4th holiday every year, whether it's the NBA, college football, realignment, whatever the case may be. Sometime over these, like, give or take about a two-week margin of error on either side of July 4th, and something big is going to happen, and it all decided to happen today. And ironically, you're right, Kevin Durant back in the news as well. But, yeah, we have a huge conference news. Realignment, once again, is underway. Uh, USC and UCLA reportedly headed to the Big Ten. That seems like it's all but a done deal. I want to get Colby's reaction to that news and what it means for Oklahoma State moving forward. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. And who knows, we may have some Pac-12 teams coming to town to shop at Chris's by the time the day ends and the weekends and certainly in the next few months moving forward. But, Colby, I just want to get your initial reaction on uh, the news. It kind of came out of left field that UCLA and USC appear to have their bags packed and want to join the, the Big Ten as soon as uh, 2024. Yeah, my initial reaction, Carson, was that the Pac-12 – might end up getting what it deserves, right? I mean, whenever everything was going on in the Big 12, a bunch of really, you know, reputable Big 12 schools reached out to the Pac-12, and what did they do? Knowing everybody knew full well that the Pac-12 was not a strong conference, even remotely on the same tier as the Big 10 or the SEC. And what did the Pac-12 do? What did they say? They said, no, we're good. We are solid as is. Utah and Oregon are going to lead this conference into the future, and we're going to compete with Alabama and Ohio State. And that's just not how the real world works. My initial reaction, Carson, was that the Pac-12 is kind of getting what they deserve. I would agree. I mean, you and I talked about this the last go-around. I mean, their commissioner, George Klyakov, acting as if, we're fine. We don't need to add anybody. We're good. We're good to go. I thought that was just totally <laughs> – misjudging the situation your, your league is not fine it is not good to go it's in it's in real trouble and now it's in you know the, the building's on fire and I just there's no other way to put it than the Pac-12 is done I mean they're already fighting an uphill battle being on the west coast we all know that we've talked about it ad nauseum they needed to add teams from you know, the central time zone at the very minimum to maintain any sort of relevance. Now with their losing the LA market is just, it's a death knell. So, and I've already, I've already heard people throw out, well, should the, should Oklahoma state, should they look at going to the PAC 12? Absolutely not. The big 12 now Colby, it is time for them to stop being reactive, be proactive. They should have already called Arizona and the Arizona state those two make total sense. You can, you can talk me into, you know, Utah and Colorado. Cause I, I, I don't know about how you feel about Oregon and, and Washington. They're, they're certainly the more preeminent football programs in the PAC 12. I'm looking at this more geographically, you know, Arizona, Arizona state, you can get on a flight and be there in two hours. Same with, with Colorado and, and, and Utah. That's kind of where my head's going, but 
Don't you agree, Colby? It's time for the Big 12 to make a big move because the, the Pac-12 is ripe for the picking. Yeah, absolutely it is. The Pac-12 didn't want your schools. Okay, go get theirs. Arizona and Arizona State make a ton of sense geographically, but I, I really wonder what geography means in the modern landscape of college sports. I mean, with private jets flying all these schools around, again, we're, we're talking about football because that's where all the money is. I don't know what it means for baseball and, and volleyball and swimming and, and softball and tennis and all these other sports. I have no idea. Those decisions are made way above my head. But I know that as far as the big sports go, you want Oregon, you want Utah, you, you probably want uh, maybe a Washington, a school like that. I just, geography, I feel like is kind of going out the window, Carson. I mean, if you look at what the Big Ten map is going to look like, if they do, in fact, wind up with USC and UCLA, I mean, that's the biggest slap in the face to geography I've ever seen. We're going from Los Angeles to the far Northeast coast. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think my number one target would be Oregon because that's a, a big get. And Oregon brings you a lot in multiple sports. So I think that'd be my number one get. After that, you probably go geographically uh, with Arizona and Arizona State, although I could be tempted to take Utah ahead of those schools. I will say, Carson, even though Colorado geographically makes a ton of sense and used to be in the conference, Colorado is trash at absolutely everything and has proven themselves time and time again to be an inept program and inept school whenever it comes to athletics. So that's the one that, you know, weirdly, even though it makes sense geographically and they used to be in the Big 12, I, I'm not real bullish on the Buffaloes. Oh, I'm, I'm all the way out on that. People suggested that to me today on Twitter. And Colorado, to me, just they're a relic football program. Their days of being a football power are so far gone. They don't have the infrastructure for me to, to really be what – when people trumpet Colorado, they talk about the national championship that they won, rightfully so, the, the glory days, the Big Eight. That program is, does not exist anymore. They have a small stadium that's in bad need of upgrading. They have never had a recruiting base. They really recruited the heck out of California to get to where they were in the Big Eight days. They just don't bring a lot of value as a football entity, as bringing eyeballs to the TV screens, because we, we all know that's what it's about. And I'm I'm all the way out on Colorado. And look, they made their bed. They can go they can go lay in it out west. And I'm I'm so much more interested in, in so many other schools besides Colorado. I, I don't know. Like, I, I totally agree with you on them. Uh, Oregon for me, like, yeah. I mean, they're they're an unbelievable football program. I think if you could get Oregon, it'd be huge. And you just make it work geograph geographically. Because you're you're right, Colby. Like, they've added. West Virginia, UCF, I mean, they geography clearly has gone out the window in terms of what it matters for the Big 12. At this point, if you're the Big 12, you're just trying to survive. So getting Oregon, I think you could you could sign me up for. Um, realistically, Colby, what what do you think Oklahoma State can do here moving forward? Chad Weiberg, he did a, a radio interview today. I listened to a little bit of it. Didn't, didn't have a whole lot to say about it, obviously, because it's so new. What can Oklahoma State do moving forward, do you think, in your mind? Yeah, Oklahoma State, look, I actually don't want to see Oklahoma State move conferences. I want to see Oklahoma State stay in the Big 12 and become kind of the big dog of the rest, right? I mean, we, we see, you know, speculation on Twitter earlier, and this is just people talking. So take everything with a grain of salt. Rumors are going to be flying. We have to remember that rumors are just rumors, and just about anybody with their Twitter account can tweet out and say, I heard from a source. So just keep that in mind as you read all of this stuff. Everybody's going to be hearing from a source. A lot of rumors are going to be flying. 
That being said, people were talking on Twitter about, you know, we're going to end up with the Big Ten and the SEC, and each one's going to have 20, and those are going to be the two powers. You know, if you're Oklahoma State and you go to either of those conferences, you're very much just lost in the weeds, a lower-tier program there. You're going to be winning seven, eight games a year. It's going to be an uphill climb. You're going to be swimming upstream the entire time you're in one of those conferences. If you're in the Big 12, even if you bring over Oregon and Utah and Arizona and Arizona State and some of these schools, you're still amongst the best in what will still be a really good conference and you can potentially compete year in year out to win 10 11 12 games an occasional college football playoff uh, i don't know i look I, I get the money would probably be better in the big 10 or the sec but if you can take the field as far as football is concerned and be nationally relevant year in and year out that just positions you so much better for, for any future realignment that happens uh and it's just better for your fan base so if I'm being honest, Carson, I, I think I would like the Big 12 to survive at this point. Crazy, the, the place we're in now, as opposed to where we were a year ago. A year ago, I was hashtag die, Big 12, die. And now I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't mind the Big 12 kind of sticking around. Add a few of these other schools, and Oklahoma State can be, kind of be one of the powers of the rest of the schools who aren't in the Big 10 or the SEC. That's totally where I'm at. And, you know, Mike said this years and years ago, back when, you know, this really started with, Nebraska and A&M and all them leaving. And then the PAC 12 became a real option at that point when, you know, I had my bags packed for the PAC 12 back then. Thank goodness it didn't happen. But Mike made the point that there, there needs to be a conference in the middle part of the country. There just, there does. And I think that's a real Avenue for Oklahoma state to do what you said and make the big 12 survive. Cause I'm, I'm on board with that. I just, I think that's the way this needs to go because there's all this talk now, of course, of, of two super conferences with the Big Ten and the SEC, right? Well, that can't make up the entire sport. <laughs> like there's over 100 schools that are, you know, relevant. I mean, there's we've had five conferences all this time for a reason because there's so many programs and so many teams throughout the entire country. I, I don't think you can just have two conferences and say, well, these are the two that are playing for all the marbles. I don't. I don't see how that works. I, I just don't. Now, obviously, th those two are going to expand further, and they already are as, as we're discussing this. But I think there's a real avenue for the Big 12 to be the next best conference besides those two. And that's where my head's at. I'm sure that's where Chad Weiberg's head's at. And, look, there's a lot of dominoes to, to fall moving forward, but I just think that has to be the focus now for the Big 12. You've been giving a been given a – a sign of life, a, a get out of jail free card here with the Pac-12 seemingly about to fold. Uh, now the Pac-12 could could make plays for for Big 12 schools like in Oklahoma State and, and, and of that nature, but I, I just don't see that happening anymore with the way things have gone. Yeah, I don't really either, and I don't know why Big 12 schools would look at that as a better option, right? I mean, the Pac-12 has proven itself incompetent time and time again. Also, if I'm Oklahoma State, and I was on the phone last summer trying to get to the Pac-12, and they told me to kick rocks, boy, you better believe I'm ready for that phone to ring today. Please give me a call so that I can tell you the same thing now that you need me. No, absolutely not. I'm not going to the Pac-12. That's not a better conference if you lose USC and UCLA. It's now, uh, I mean, what do we have? Oregon, 
Utah, Stanford, Oregon State, Washington, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, that's not a better conference than Oklahoma State, Baylor, TCU, Cincinnati, Houston. I, I don't think that that's a better conference. You, you could make the case that because Oregon is the, the biggest football school of all those I just mentioned, that that gives it a little bit of a nod in the Pac-12's direction. But you've got several more there in the Big 12 after Oregon that I would take before I got to another Pac-12 school. So, uh, yeah, if I'm the Big 12, if I'm Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, any of these schools, and the Pac-12 calls me today, I'm going to say, look, you could have had me a year ago whenever it looked like you might be an uh, you know, an actual viable power nationally in terms of conference realignment, and now you're dead in the water and you need my help, guess what? I'm good where I'm at. So uh, I, I think that that's the answer the Pac-12 is going to get from a lot of schools when they pick up the phone. Absolutely. And so if you're Chad Weiberg, Dr. Casey Shrum, we've already talked about making the Big 12 work, and I think I think it's certainly workable, and especially adding the teams they've already added combined with, you know, potentially some Pac-12 schools. That that's certainly something that is worth looking at. But I do recall Dr. Casey Shrum using the term, what she, what she say, land grant institutions. Yes. That was key verbiage that aligns with the big 10. Now, do I think the big 10 is going to offer Oklahoma state? No, I think they're focused on Notre Dame. That's who they want next. And rightfully so we all know about their brand potential. Uh, the SEC, they're probably going to look at Clemson, Florida State. That would make a lot of sense. But if things are sh are going this way and shifting the way they are, wh where does that number stop for the Big Ten and the SEC? I think it certainly is worth doing their due diligence, and I'm sure they already are and probably already have. Uh, is there a chance in your mind, Colby, that Oklahoma State could pack their bags for the SEC or the Big Ten, one or the other? Uh, is there a chance? Yes, I think that there is a chance because money talks and those conferences can probably offer more of it than what Oklahoma State's going to wind up in the Big 12. It's just a matter of what is the best overall situation for you? And I don't know that that is the SEC or the Big 10 because like I said, I think you get lost in the shuffle. But is there a chance? Sure, I think that there's definitely a chance. Uh, you, you know, I would really just hate the SEC move, Carson, to, to end up following OU there after everything that's gone on the last year and them leaving you out in the cold and all that stuff. I would really hate to follow OU to the SEC. The Big Ten could, could maybe intrigue me a little bit more. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State would, would come in and probably, you know, you throw USC in there. I don't know how good they're going to be. But the Big Ten is Ohio State, an occasional Michigan Michigan State or Iowa pop up from time to time. Penn State's kind of in that realm. But I think Oklahoma State would kind of be on the same tier with Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Iowa. I mean, Oklahoma State's on the same tier with a lot of those schools day one, I think. I mean, they're going in and just beating the absolute hell out of the Indianas and, and Illinois of the world. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it would be uh, a decent transition to the Big Ten. So if you were telling me you have to pick one of those two, I would probably go Big Ten because I don't know about you, Carson – but I just have no interest in Oklahoma State following OU to the SEC and just continuing to live in their shadow for all of eternity. Uh, and it would, it would, it would be such a bad look too. Like the way OU handled that, the way they essentially ended a partnership that's gone on for more than a hundred years was disgusting. And could you swallow your pride and go to the SEC? Would that be a better fit? Yeah. But I, I, I'm kind of sold on the idea of getting away from them 
and doing your own thing. You know, it's worked really well for Texas A&M. Just look what they've become since leaving Texas, get, kind of getting out of their shadow. Now they're, they're not happy about Texas following them to the SEC. So maybe that's against my argument that Texas is doing the same thing. Uh, I, I would probably prefer to be in the SEC. Just you, you, you line up all those road trips. And I could, I could probably swallow my pride and get on board with the SEC now that I'm, I'm talking it out. Uh, do trips to Minnesota and Nebraska and Rutgers fire me up as much as trips to Ole Miss, uh, the swamp, probably not. So I, I Colby, as I'm, I, I was fully on board to just go to the big 10 and say to hell with them, but I don't know. You could, you could you're, you're talking yourself into the sec. I you look, know? I get it. There, there is some allure there. I just, it's the OU thing for me. I just, I, I want to get out of their shadow. I just, I, I can't just keep, having Oklahoma state be second fiddle to OU forever. It drives me nuts. Uh, I'm, I'm with you, but maybe that's always going to be the case. Having the name Oklahoma on your chest, you Oklahoma might be right state on your chest. You might be might right. Be part of the deal. Um, so man, yeah. Huge news today. Uh, I'm very curious how this, how this all shakes out. And of course you got big 12 media days just in a couple of weeks. So I'm sure that's going to be. And a new commissioner. Welcome and- to the job, bud. Oh, that's yeah. That's that's the next topic I wanted to get to. What do you know about this guy? I mean, this guy uh, used to work with uh, Jay Z at Rock Nation. He's been with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, it, it's it's interesting to me, Colby, that it's another person like a George Klyakov, who is now the the Pac-12 commissioner, who has no real background in the world of of college football and and certainly college athletics. You know, Klyakov came from. Uh, Las Vegas, I believe Caesars, uh, this guy's coming from rock nation and, and the Brooklyn Nets, So it's kind of an interesting hire and he seems to have a, a pretty polished resume and has done a lot of good things. He, he, I'll say this for him, Colby. He seems a little more, bit more forward thinking than a, uh, a Bob Bowlesby. Oh yeah, he definitely does. Hopefully it won't be just the big 12 reacting to everything happening around them, uh, again, for all of eternity, which is what it felt like under Bob Bowlesby, you, you know, it's tough to know how this guy's experience and stuff is going to translate to being the commissioner of a league, especially in a time like this. But look, he's dealt with big time people. He's been on big time stages and and he's on another big time stage right now, because as we see today, I mean, the, the landscape of collegiate athletics is just evolving every day. And we're all just sitting here minding our business. And guess what's happening behind the scenes? Schools and conferences are on phone calls. And they're trying to figure out who's going where and how much money is being exchanged and this, that, and the other. So, you know, again, I, I'm not here to give him the biggest ringing endorsement in the world because I don't know enough about the guy to do that. But hopefully he will come in, realize what's happening in collegiate athletics, and, and put his head down and go get some other schools and solidify the Big 12 because there's going to be a place, a big-time place in college sports for whoever the third-best conference is behind the Big 10 and the SEC. And if he could take the Big 12 and firmly plant that flag, I, I mean, look, I know a lot of people are going to say, you can't settle for number three and all this. Look, the SEC, the Big 10, they have so much money. They have so many of the powers. Those are going to be the top two conferences in the country. But the Big 12 would be so well-positioned to lock themselves in at three. And if he can do that then he will get a glowing review from me after year one yeah and i'm sure part of the interview process is what are you going to do about realignment because it's not done so i'm sure that was i'm sure that was vetted or at least i hope so and his his plans and his grand schemes i would hope were presented upon his hiring but 
who knows knowing the big 12 that that remains to be seen but but you're right colby like the opportunity is there to be the oh i'm just seeing some uh oh lou dort lou dort signing with the oklahoma city thunder five okay. years seven and a half million dollars good for him good for him that's awesome yeah that's uh that's a good deal for the thunder we got so much stuff happening right now uh with free agency beginning uh Kevin Durant tried to ruin our nation's holiday back in 2016. Uh, hopefully he doesn't come back to Oklahoma City this 4th of July because I'm, I'm so out on him. It's not even funny. But anyway. Really? Yeah. You don't want Kevin coming back to the Thunder, do you? Oh, absolutely, yes. 100%. Oh, trade everything. God. Trade everything. Okay, trade everything not currently on the roster, a.k.a. draft picks. Give them all the draft picks they want for Kevin Durant, every last one of them. Why? Why? Because he's still one of the best players in the world. And as Oklahoma City, your chance to have a guy that talented, it doesn't work very often. And also, it would be so healing for Oklahoma City and Kevin Durant to come together and win a title. And and I don't know, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but I'm willing to take the risk because otherwise, we're just all sitting here until 2028 hoping it all works out. And I'm not that patient, Carson. No, no, no. He's 33 years old. He's He's got the the foot injury has happened in his on his tire. He's got a lot of tread on his tires. He's got the Achilles injury as well. He's clearly on the downside of his career, you would admit. Yes? Uh yes. I would admit that he's on the back end of his career, but I don't think he's on hole 17 or 18. I think he's on about the uh 12th tee box, 13th tee box, something like that. Yeah. I there's A, there's no chance it's happening, but B, you don't give up all of the assets you've gained from tanking to, to get Kevin Durant, you do it to get the new Kevin Durant, the new LeBron James, the Victor one Bayama that's coming out next year is going to be the first overall pick. I think you just, you tank again this year. You, you, even if you don't get one Bayama, you just continue to stockpile the next generation of thunder superstars. I, there's no way I'm giving up all those assets to get, to get a 33 year old Kevin who let's face it, Colby can't, can't win as the the lead dog you might be right about that you might be right about that Shea would have to step his game up if KD came here and be the man but I don't know it's just a guy like that comes along so rarely also I'm a sucker I'm rooting for the Cinderella story where he comes back and wins everybody's love back over and turns into the lovable Kevin Durant that we all used to know because the Kevin Durant some friends from July 4th 2016 to now just a real jackass and nobody likes him and that's no fun and I just Again, I'm a softy, Carson. That maybe uh, having a daughter has softened me up. I want Kevin Durant back. I mean, it, it would break Twitter, and it would be like the all-time like this league tweet if Kevin were to come to Oklahoma City. But it ain't happening. So we don't we don't have to waste a whole lot of oxygen on it. Lou Dort, right? Seventeen and a half mil per year. That's a that's a team friendly contract, I think, and he gets paid. So that's a win win for for Oklahoma City and Lou Dort. So that's. I figured that's what was going to happen when they declined his his option and they took care of him and Thunder moving on down the road. No, no KD coming back to Oklahoma City. Um, <laughs> are we surprised moving back to the the Pac-12 Big Ten news? Why the hell did they want UCLA? Would, wouldn't you just go get USC and Oregon? Like those are the two preeminent football powers in, in that conference. Wouldn't you have done that? Or you just want to lock down Los Angeles, I guess, even though nobody goes to UCLA games. 
Yeah, I mean, it seems like that's what it was, right? Just locking down Los Angeles. I, I don't know, because the USC thing to me makes so much sense. Lincoln Riley's out there, you know, whether they're win, losing, or drawing for the next five years, they're going to be a topic of conversation nationally. And it's USC. They're going to, you know, have up times, down times uh, throughout their, their program. But it's always going to be USC. So that one makes a ton of sense. UCLA hasn't been worth anything at, at just about anything. I mean, I guess they had a couple of decent basketball teams there uh, for a while. Uh, I, I mean, softball program was good for a while. Football, Carson, I'm really asking, when's the last time that UCLA was, we could potentially, if everything goes right, compete for a national championship, good. When were they that good last, UCLA? I have absolutely no idea. Um. Maybe early 90s under um... – <laughs> That's kind of my point, though, right? I mean, if that's yeah. where we're going for UCLA, then, I mean, the, the draw there isn't that big for me, aside from the L.A., which, you know, that, that does ring out a little bit. I was thinking of Terry Donahue is the name I couldn't think of. Uh, the last time they won 10 games was 1998. Jesus. Under Bob Toledo. Colby, holy moly, they've been bad for a long time. Oh, no. Jim Mora, Jim Mora won 10 games. I'm sorry. He Did won 10 he? Games okay. in 2014. My bad. I skipped a little too far ahead of myself. And Carl Durrell won 10 games in 05, but few and far between. They've won 10 games. Let's see. Wow, Jim Mora won 10 games twice. Okay. Good for him. That was, I, guess, that was, I guess they thought that, that was bowl good wins, though. He didn't have a 10 win regular season. Let's go to 10 win regular season. Yeah. Show me a 10 win. Were, were both of his 10 win campaigns with bowl games? Yes. Yeah. We need a regular season. Carl Durrell also needed a bowl game to get to 10 wins. Uh, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out what yeah, the draw Bob, here is. Bob just... Toledo in 98 was the last time wow. they won 10 games without a bowl game. So. Wow. So, and they're going to be worse now, I would imagine. I mean, I don't, I mean, obviously you're recruiting across the street from Lincoln Riley, which people around here can think whatever they want to think about him. He's a big-time college football coach. And, uh, yeah, I don't see UCLA getting any better anytime soon. So that uh, that one's definitely a little weird for sure. Yeah, that's what I would have done. But a lot of this to shake out. Uh, let's see here. What else we got to discuss here? Uh, we had some golf news, Colby. Uh, Matthew Wolf and Eugenio Chikara to the Live Golf Tour. I'm watching Matthew Wolf putt right now on YouTube for this electric broadcast that's going on with Liv. Uh, were you surprised? I mean, let's let's start with, with Chikara, because I think he was – we were kind of expecting Wolf to make this move. You know, Chikara announced he was returning to Oklahoma State. Uh, he clearly changed his mind once he saw the, the dollar figures that Liv Goff was willing to offer. I uh, just wanted to get your reaction to that. Yeah, I, shock was my initial reaction, if we're being honest. I, I just – Thought that, you know, he released that statement. Eugenio Chikara was coming back. I was excited for the future of Oklahoma State golf with, with him at the helm next year. Uh, I was shocked and, and I was disappointed as an Oklahoma State fan. I mean, I wanted that guy back. I wanted him to, to go chase a national title. Um, look, there, there was not a huge time lapse between whenever he released the statement that he was going to Oklahoma State and uh, whenever he decided to go to live. So uh, I don't know if just none of those conversations had taken place yet and they just threw a bunch of money at him and he couldn't turn it down. Uh, I don't know, but I, uh, again, we'll, we'll probably never uh, know what that conversation was like between Alan Bratton and Eugenio Chikara, but man, I would have loved to have been a fly uh, on the wall in that room. And who knows, maybe, maybe one day Bratton or, or Chikara uh, will open up and talk about it because this was, 
it was very shocking uh, considering the statement that he had released about, I don't know, roughly six weeks prior. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly – I'm certainly curious about the fact that, you know, he's not on the PGA Tour. He doesn't suffer the same blowback from leaving the PGA Tour to go play in this live stuff. And the the dollar figures, I'm sure, made a lot of sense to him, clearly. Um, I'm just curious how this is all going to work when he's not a member of the tour. He, he can certainly go – try to qualify like the traditional route of most people, but I'm, I'm curious with your expertise, what sort of blowback will there be for him from the PGA tour, even though he wasn't a member? I mean, yeah, this is pretty simple from the PGA tour standpoint, they've kind of laid out uh, what they're doing with these guys and he will not be welcome in the future on PGA tour, Canada, PGA tour, Latino America, uh, corn Ferry tour, PGA tour, he will not be welcome on any of those tours in the future. So he is he is betting that Live Golf is his golf home for his, you know, the, the foreseeable, his professional career, essentially, unless something changes with the PGA Tour, and I don't expect it to anytime soon. So it's a big gamble for Eugenio Chikara. Obviously, uh, the money was right for him to make that gamble. But, yeah, I, I don't see a path for him to get on the PGA. Because even though he wasn't already there, they pretty much said, no, you, you play there, you're not welcome here. Uh, and I don't know what that does for major championships either because we still don't know if Liv Goff is going to get world ranking points. Uh, and, and so does he go to U.S. Open qualifying? Does he go to Open Championship qualifying? You obviously can't qualify for the Masters or the PGA of America. So uh, I don't know. I just It was very surprising for me, a guy that young and that talented, to take the risk. Uh, I mean, we've seen Chris Goderup's already made three cuts this season on the PGA Tour. Pearson Cootie won last week by five in his first career Corn Ferry Tour start. And Eugenio Chikara is uh, on the same level as those guys. So, uh, yeah, it's a risk by Chikara because I, I don't think that now, unless the PGA Tour changes their stance, that he ever uh, is able to play there. But uh, I guess the money was right, and uh, it was worth the risk. Yeah, that is a big risk. I mean, because, I mean, Look, there's obviously huge names going, Brooks Kepka, DeChambo, everybody knows all that. Like, what if this thing, like, what if this just folds in a couple of years? Like, there's no interest, the the Saudi guy gets bored, and they just move on down the road, because then then that's where there'll be real ramifications from from the PGA, which I know that's it's all unknown right now, but that that's the risk he's kind of taking, right? That, you know, this guy could just take his ball and go home eventually, and then all these guys that made the jump are looking around going, uh, where, when's my next check coming? Yeah. I don't know if you saw or not Carson, but the Saudis spent $2 million on the parking lot this week for, for Portland. Like they're just throwing money at this thing. They, they on the wanted parking to park, lot. Yeah. So they wanted to park their cars for the event at a bordering farm that borders pumpkin Ridge. Uh, and the guy said, no, absolutely not. A couple of months ago, somebody comes in, offers this farmer $2 million, which was about quadruple what his land is worth. So he sells his land, and now it's a parking lot for the live event. They spent $2 million on the parking lot. How much longer are they willing to throw money at it? How much traction does it gain? How many of the world's best young players does it get? The future over there could be very bright because there's billions and billions of dollars available. It could also just go away overnight because it's just one guy making the decisions. Uh, so, yeah, I, I hope that the decision was well thought out for Chikara. And I'm sure it was. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Uh, Matthew Wolf, not not a surprise. He was like in their promo video that they posted weeks and weeks ago. Like <laughs> they kind of let the cat out of the bag early that he was going there. Um, just kind of sad where he's at golf wise. I just um, 
again, he he won on in like his third ever tournament as a pro on the PGA Tour. He had two top fours in majors, and he just seems kind of lost in the wilderness with his golf game. And look, he he's now set financially. I get it. I just I just hope he can get back to playing the golf that that we we saw him play at Oklahoma State, and certainly one that nearly nearly picked off a couple majors. Yeah, th- this one was kind of like you said expected, and and this one's tough for me, Carson, because. I mean, you know, people who've listened to my golf podcast know I don't really like the live stuff. I think it's bad for golf. I don't like where the money's coming from. I've, I've been pretty outspoken about that. Even that being said, I do get it for some of these guys, right? And Matthew Wolf's one of those guys because his career on the PGA Tour was, I mean, it was really headed the wrong direction. I, I really don't know what happened with Matthew Wolf that the game just kind of abandoned him. He talked openly about some of his mental health issues and stuff like that. So, you, you know, again, I don't always have to like it, but with some guys, I do get it. And Matthew Wolf is one of those because, I mean, let's let's just call a spade a spade, Carson. The golf that he's played over the last year, 18 months, it's not good enough to be on the PGA Tour. So uh, maybe he saw an opportunity to, to get paid now and, and go somewhere where he can work on his game. The pressure of making cuts isn't there. You're still going to get your check that week. Uh, that, that obviously appealed to him. And, uh, again, don't think that this was a huge surprise uh, to see Wolf make the leap. No, not a surprise. Uh, Bullets and BBs, what do you got for me this week? Bullets and BBs. Bullets, Carson. The Big 12. The Big 12 Conference. They've done a great job. I I really can't say enough. A year ago, Carson, I sat here, and I was out front leading the hashtag die Big 12 die. I thought that the conference (laughs) was dead in the water. I didn't think it was ever coming back. I didn't think that there was a way to bring it back and to revive it from the dead and what did they do they got the little paddles out they rubbed them together they stuck them on the chest of the conference and boom we are zapped back to life and now the pac 12 looks like they're on the outside looking in oklahoma state looks like they could be in position to be one of the top schools in what will be a new look big 12 that could firmly plan itself uh as the third best conference in the country i just from where we were at uh 11 months ago to where we are at today i never thought that that transition was possible for the Big 12. Uh, so I, I ripped them when things were going bad. I've got to give them credit when things are going good. And right now it seems like things are going pretty good for the Big 12. We'll see how all this other stuff uh, breaks down. Uh, I reserve the right to change that opinion if things go horribly wrong. But as it stands today, uh, the Big 12 has done a phenomenal job and they get my bullet. Let's go. Love it. Uh, I'm going to tie it in there with uh, Mike Gundy. Again, I, I referenced his comments he made back in 2011. I want to give Mike a bullet for... You know, he he was kind of like everyone was so gung ho on the Pac-12 stuff, and he was kind of he was kind of against it he, when a lot of people weren't, and said, you know, we need a we need a power conference in the middle of the country. I think that holds true today as it did ten years ago. And again, I I've I've hit on this a lot lately. Mike is very smart. He he has his quirks. We all know that, but he is a sharp dude. And I think he was right. He hit the nail right on the head with this. I think. He is perfectly aligned with where he has this program right now coming off the season they had with Dr. Casey Shrum, with Chad Weiberg. I want them to load the chamber of bullets and go 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 uh, go start firing off pistols firing for, for Oklahoma State and trumpeting the brand that is Oklahoma State. They keep trumpeting the brand, and I, I think they're in a great position to do so. I think they're in a great position to be a leader of this new Big 12, and they need to be on a plane right now going to, to Phoenix, Arizona to go pick, go get the Arizona schools and, and whoever else wants to to leave the, the burning house that is the Pac-12. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I think you're spot on there. It's I was going to go Pac-12, 
for my BB, it's kind of low hanging fruit. You know, they're too good to take on any other schools. They're good where they're at. And then now they're going to crumble that that's a little bit too easy. Carson, I'm going to go off the beaten path here. I'm going to give out another bullet because I should have done this originally. I didn't think of it until just now. It's going to go to my man, Seth Duckworth, who was my teammate Sunday for the pistols firing golf outing. You were missed Carson. Uh, We ended up having a couple of teams and me and Seth won by one shot on the 18th hole. He played yeah. great, took a bunch of his drives. He made like a 40-footer for birdie on nine. Uh, very much enjoyed playing golf with our man, Seth. Oh, yeah. Love that. Seth's a great dude, and uh, he's fired up about all this for wrestling purposes. I saw he, he was more than willing to welcome Arizona and Arizona State with open arms for, uh, for wrestling. So oh, that, yeah, I bet. That's good stuff. Uh, my, my BB – I'm going to go with George Klyakov from the Pac-12. Again, he sits up there and says, ah, oh, we're fine. We're fine. We don't need to add anybody. We're good to go. Not so fast, my friend. Looks pretty terrible right now. So, I, again, all those hoity-toity West Coast elitists that had just their, their pinkies up in the air, sipping their tea, thinking the Pac-12 was this just preeminent conference. Joke's on you. So, I'm going with that. Yeah, Anything else before like we get out of here, Colby? Tr- treating us like a flyover state. You'll be flying over us uh, as you travel to football games all across the country uh, because the Big 12 is too good for you now, Pac-12. That's the reality. So uh, I- I'm just – I mean, my parting thoughts, Carson, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by what's happening uh, in collegiate sports. I'm fascinated by what's happening on, with, with the landscape of, of golf, uh, with NBA free agency. It's just – it has been a sports frenzy today, uh, and I'm just taking it all in and loving the drama. Yep. Conference media days are going to be a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of good stuff to come from that, and some interesting quotes, I'm sure, soon to follow. So, Colby, uh, get us out of here. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. As always, go Pope.